closing out our look at the three Michaels versus Undertaker match of the years with Sean's retirement match. There is a lot to be said about it. And what's interesting is that of the three, I think Hell in the Cell was the most impressive. It broke new ground in a lot of different ways. I think that the first of the two WrestleMania matches was, I don't want to say uneven, but it felt like two guys in their 40s trying to work a match like they were in their mid-20s and telling an amazing story, but a lot of things just not working, not clicking. And that, that sounds like a heavy criticism. No, it's not. It's an amazing match. And part of that is because these two guys understand drama better than anyone else. The third match, I think, is... I'm torn between it and Hell in the Cell as the best of the three. It is the cleanest worked of all of them. And the best... I don't want to say the best story, but in a way it is. But what it is, is that it took both of these guys understanding where they were at that point in their career maximizing their abilities at that point, and then Sean giving just a little bit extra because he was on his way out. And this is one of those points where the accident is better than the plan. There was a great spot, Undertaker on the table, Michaels goes to the top, and I thought it was actually going to give him the flying elbow, which would have been spectacular. Instead, he does the moonsault, and he doesn't quite hit Undertaker flat. Instead, he goes across his legs. And the whole storyline of this, starting from about a minute in, is that Undertaker had tweaked his knee or his ankle and was selling the leg. And the announcers, right on it, said, oh my god, Sean just moonsaulted his uh, Undertaker's legs. How are his legs not broken? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant announcing. And that's one thing that WWE seldom gets credit for is it does have announcers who really understand how to sell drama. And Jim Ross is great at it. Jerry Lawler actually does a decent job when he gives it a chance, as does Michael Cole. I think Michael Cole doesn't get the credit for doing a decent job with the big matches. When he's not doing the character stuff, he really does does it well. Corey Graves nowadays, actually, in NXT, is solid, strong, good announcing. I really like listening to his to his work. What we're seeing in this match is one guy who knows he's going out and the other guy who knows he's going to have a long time to recover. But they don't get dumb. They don't let it go to their head. They don't do the stupid things. I mean, you might say that that moonsault onto the table was not smart, but it really did... And even if it, had, if it had hit clean, it wouldn't have been as effective as, you know, the fact that he hit the legs. And the crowd was way into it. I also want to say that this is my favorite set in the history of WrestleMania's. This sort of pyramid-shaped uh, lighting rig uh, was really cool. I imagine it led to some really bad sight lines, though. Go figure. These guys were on their best as far as timing goes. And there's a great spot where they're in the ring and uh, Undertaker goes for a choke slam. And Sean gets separation, then gives him the super kick. And it is the best-looking super kick in his career. Just phenomenal. And Taker sells it brilliantly. And that's one of those just moments where you thought it was going to be the finish, and it wasn't. But it made 
everything that happened afterwards more dramatic because you knew it could happen. Because you knew that Sean could win it with the next super kick. And this match, going into it, I didn't think Michaels was going to lose. Spoiler alert, he lost. I thought that the streak was less important than Michaels going out, but on the other hand, Michaels also felt like he was done. And watching his last year of working, it was sort of, oh, well, this is good, but it's Shawn Michaels kind of living off being Shawn Michaels, less Shawn Michaels being the great worker that he always has been. The match is brilliant. It really is. And there's a moment where Undertaker is about to do his, you know, his throat slit and then uh, give the tombstone again. And he stops halfway through and he sort of looks down at him. And in many ways, this is playing exactly off of Michael's flair where, you know, Sean is starting to do the stomp and he just stops, says, I'm sorry, I love you, and then kicks him. This time, Michael's is way more complicit in his own demise. Uh, he sort of crawls up up Undertaker, who just is telling him, stay down. And he sort of gets to his knees in front of him, and then he does the throat slit on himself. Enrages Undertaker, who gives him the tombstone and ends his career. But here's the funny thing, is in that moment, it wasn't important that Undertaker got the pin on Shawn Michaels. It was important that he gave him the tombstone, a jumping tombstone. It was phenomenal. I had never seen The Undertaker do one like that, and it was great. But then he folds the arms, he looks up, eyes roll back, and tongue goes out. He becomes The Undertaker of old. It's a really great ending, because it said something that I don't think none of us realized at the time. It said that Undertaker, the character was more important than Undertaker the Worker. And wrap your head around that for a second. The character Undertaker ended the career of Shawn Michaels. Not Mark Calloway working his his match. When he went back to the dead man persona, albeit briefly, in the match, he ended the career of Shawn Michaels. Mark couldn't end Michaels' career. Undertaker had to. And that's brilliant storytelling. It's It, it requires a deep read, admittedly. But that's why this match is so great to watch over and over again. And of the three, I think this is the one that has the most rewatchability. The ones where you can pick out the little things. The way UT sells his knee or his ankle. The way Michaels hits his super kicks. The way the chops and the punches work. This one is the culmination of the feud. It has to be. Michaels is gone afterward. But this match, more than any other, rewards multiple viewing and deep viewing. Hell in the Cell's amazing. It's great. I could watch that match once a week. I could watch the uh, the one from 2009 once a year, maybe. I could watch this one every day. It's brilliantly done. And it's one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. I would put it top three with the first ladder match. And then, of course, Savage Steamboat. Eventually, I'll talk about Austin Hart because there's a lot to talk about there in a lot of different directions. And it's also the match in Mania history that was so amazing, and yet only one dimension still holds up today. But I'll get to that later. What's next on Match of the Year podcast? Well, we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks. Not fully. I'm going to talk about Mick Foley versus Shawn Michaels at Mind Games in 1996, a match that should have won every Match of the Year award, as far as I'm concerned. And I might also do one on 
uh, a 2015 match that has not got nearly enough love. And that is the Hell in the Cell between Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. When I come back, I'm either going to tackle, do another three-parter about uh, Misawa Kobashi, or I'll do, finally, uh, Steamboat Flair. I see how I feel. I got a lot to say about Steamboat Flair, and I'm still sort of arranging it in my mind. But stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Match of the Year Podcast. <laughs>